to thrive in God. You weren't meant just to limp into heaven and say, Oh God, I've just about got here. You were meant to flourish and thrive. Please take your seats. It's so good to see you today. You know, when I started this series, I thought, Lord, we're going into Lent and people are giving up chocolate and they'll be in a bad mood. Uh, Little did I know that I'd have to preach in the context of all this virus stuff as well. But I think it's a prophetic message over you that whatever season you find yourself in, God's going to put stuff into your life, build things into your life, so you can thrive. Amen? Amen. So can you hear the prophetic nature of what I'm going to teach on? Today, we're going to talk about truth, the T out of thrive. Truth as your foundation. Jesus, in his most important sermon, or at least his most public one, in the Sermon on the Mount, closed it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He put his house, his life, on a firm foundation. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine. My father's the gardener. You're the branches. Be connected to me. Have a foundation. Have have a life source. You know, foundations are really important. When I was growing up, I think it was about 10 or even 8 years old, I helped my father build a garage. Now, it wasn't a brick garage. It It was kind of just... Uh, thin concrete sheeting garage. It wasn't uh, that stable. But the foundation that we laid was absolutely amazing. There was lots of rubble in it. In fact, my dad had a concrete roller. And he said, oh, I don't need that anymore. And he put even that into the foundation. These foundations, you would have thought we were building the Eiffel Tower. But instead of the garage, but we put that. But you know that that garage is still standing. It was 50 years ago. And it's still standing today. Because that foundation is really strong. One of the challenges of this building, it's completely secure and safe and everything. But we don't have the original drawings. And so, whenever we want to build anything, we have to have it surveyed and tested so that it can be signed off legally. So, we need to know what the foundations are so that we can build on it. You know, you've got to know what your right foundations are if you want to build your life. Because it's really important for you to know what your solid base is. Paul said it this way in Corinthians chapter 3. He said, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care other and lay nothing else other than which is laid. That is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver and costly stones, it won't last. You've got to be really sure of your foundation. Now... Here you go. Here's the first teaching point that's really important. I need you to catch this. Your foundation will determine your ceiling. Your foundation will determine the height that your life goes to. If you're going to thrive, you have to put your foundation 
on a foundation of truth that you're building your life on something that is true in God and the truth of God. Job said, he even complained, he said, you've got foundations of clay that even a moth could, could crush your house. I wonder how secure your house is. Now, listen, I don't know. I think Luca got it. But listen, let me teach you this. Your foundation will determine your ceiling. How strong the foundation is will determine how high and how strong your life is. So it's really important that you understand that you've got to put your life on some strong foundations. Now, one of the hardest things that we deal with, and that, uh, that us as humans is, is that when we have to uncover our foundations and test them. You know, actually, I, I should have told you the rest of the story. I actually injured my dad in building that garage because um, there was a dairy down the road from us. Now, please, it was in Stoke-on-Trent. Don't think when I say dairy, we're out in the country. This was like in a back street. Uh, anyway, it's kind of... And they were knocking some buildings down and they had lots of rubble. And my dad said, just go and help yourself to that rubble. Now, I don't know whether he'd asked or anything, but I was helping myself to that rubble. And I brought in the wheelbarrow and I threw it over the fence and hit my dad on the head. I heard brick hit, hit flesh. It's not a, good, not a good sound. But you know what? When we're building foundations, when we're uncovering foundations, it can be painful. Because we come to a reality of, man, I've been building on something that isn't really working here. We begin to think to ourselves, you know, this, this is difficult False foundations will put a ceiling on how you can thrive. False foundations will put a ceiling on where you're going in your life. Jesus did this teaching. Let me, let me kind of take you to some background. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And, and we, as Christians, we've heard that all of our lives. But did you know that when the Jews first heard that and his disciples heard that, that was a really radical statement. Because all of their lives, the, tr the true vine was the land of Israel. And Jesus was changing what they thought was a truth into, from a place into a person. In Hosea 10 it says that Israel, the land, is the vine, the spreading vine, and that we build lots of altars in it. And all of their teaching had been, you know, Israel, the land is the true vine. And now you're telling us that you're the true vine. That you're the person who is um, teaching us that we've got to start thinking differently about a truth that we've once held. That's very difficult for us. In fact... In John chapter 14, and you can see this in verse 31, there's a little sentence. We often uh, don't uh, notice it. Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit in John 14. And then as it comes to John 15, he says, now come, let us leave. Now, I know that when I'm on a cup of tea with Kathy sometimes, that I'll say, come on, let's leave. And then we carry on talking for 10 minutes. So I'm not saying that John 15, uh, they changed location. However... 
If they did leave at that point and he continued teaching them, there was lots of vines and things or vineyards around Jerusalem that he could have pointed them out. But here's something. In the temple of that day, there was a there was kind of an ornament as they walked past the temple down to the Mount of Olives, which they would have had to go from the upper room past the temple to the Mount of Olives. There was a golden ornament of a vine. And what rich people would do is place some more gold on that vine to secure their place in the temple. And what Jesus was doing was saying, I'm the true vine. You see, what Jesus was doing was challenging some practices that they were doing. And also, he was challenging a truth that they put their lives on. We have to be prepared to dig up some things that we've based our life on. And hear Jesus again, and hear revelation again. Go to a deeper revelation And take some foundational understandings that's got us to where we are and say, you know what, Lord, if there's a deeper way of seeing this, I want to see this now. And that can be painful for all of us. You see, you've got to build your life on deeper, fuller truth. Not just the basics now. You've got the basics. But come on, Christians... Maybe you've got to dig up some of those basics and add to them now some deeper understanding so that your foundation can take you higher. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? You know, so when you build on the full truth that God has for you, then you can thrive. Of course, Jesus is our foundation, isn't it? Isaiah says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken in panic. You've got to build your life on a foundation. So are you getting this truth that your foundation determines your ceiling? Is that okay, church? Come on, speak to me today. I want to say to you, that there are three ways in which you can build your life on truth. Three foundations that we've got to examine. That the real key areas that we need to get into is, number one, we need to build our foundation on a biblical worldview. What I mean by worldview is, worldview is like a pair of sunglasses, a, pair, a lens that you see the world and how you approach life. It's the way that you think this is how this works. It, it colors everything that you see or do and how you interact. There are several false worldviews that we often buy into that actually is not truth. And we need a true, biblical, solid foundation of a worldview. One of the worldviews that we have is materialism, that we get fulfillment only through things. And many of us as Christians, we go, oh, we don't believe that. But really, how much therapy do we really get from things? Another worldview that we, that we have is all truths the same, so long as it's your truth and my truth. And you know what? That's impossible. If somebody says one thing is true, there is diametrically opposite to another thing. The two cannot be true at the same time. 
Even though it sounds trendy, well, that's your truth, it actually doesn't work. If you say that all men are liars and all men never lie, those two things cannot be true at the same time. Yes or no? If you say Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you say Jesus Christ was just a human teacher, those two truths cannot be true at the same time. So your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth doesn't actually work. You know, another worldview that people buy into is it's okay so long as you don't hurt anyone. Really? Is that your goal in life? Not hurting anyone. Now, please, I'm not saying we should intentionally hurt anyone. But it's a bit of a low bar to say, I want to go through life and never hurt anybody. Why don't you do some good to people? Not just not hurting them, but actually blessing them, helping them, healing them, speaking into their lives. Oh, I'm a good person because I didn't hurt you. Well, what did you do for me? It's like the Good Samaritan going along to the person on the, on, the, on the road and saying, Oh, I haven't hurt you. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't have been out here and not helping. And actually, living by that philosophy, you know we all hurt people at the, without even knowing that we've hurt somebody. It doesn't actually work. We need a biblical worldview. We need a worldview that's a more solid foundation. And as Christians, some Christians have, have the view that God is only there to help them when they're in trouble. That he wants to intervene or that God just wants to make them happy. You know, that the only thing that God does is when we're in trouble, he intervenes and makes me happy. Because I'm happy. You know, what's that song say? You know, like a room without a roof, which to me doesn't sound very happy, to be honest. <laughs> Clap along if you think happiness is the truth. Because I'm happy, 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 happy. Anybody bored yet? You know, really, is that the goal to life? Just our personal happiness? Basically, God is there to make me happy. No, a biblical worldview is that we were designed by God to live in His purposes, live in relationship with Him, and in the right relationship with each other according to how He says those relationships should work. He's laid out for us that the pattern of our lives is to base our lives on whom Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But there is a pattern to life, and that pattern is, I'm designed by God to be in relationship with Him, and I'm designed to be in relationship with, with others in accordance with how He says those relationships should work. A false worldview will take you to a false place in this world. Are you substituting a false worldview instead of a true one? Thriving depends on your truth foundation. What's your worldview? How are you here for? Be a success at any cost. 
you'll kill yourself. Your worldview has to be a biblical one that I live in relationship with you, God, and in relationship with others. The second thing that we need to build a foundation on, as well as our worldview, is that how we tell the truth about ourselves. It's very difficult to tell the truth and have a foundation about what we believe about ourselves. We can't thrive unless we base our lives on what the truth says about us. We, We just have to know that thriving cannot happen unless there is something good we say to ourselves and truthful. You know, Gordon MacDonald is a pastor in the United States and, and he wrote, he's written several books about men and biblical manhood and so on. But he, he actually identified as a pastor that we ask very deep questions about ourselves in every decade. And I think we've got every decade in the building at the moment. And it's how we answer these questions according to the truth about ourselves that helps us to continue on a firm foundation. When we're teens, we ask ourselves, who am I and who am I becoming? And be kind to teenagers because they're asking that question. In our 20s, why am I going and what will I do with my life and with whom will I do that life? In our 30s, now that I've got all these responsibilities and obligations How do I manage my priorities? And if you're in your 30s, you just start a family. You just think, man, I've never been so busy. I've never been so tired. In our 40s, we ask ourselves, am I a success or am I a failure? And in our 40s, we have to be kind to people in their 40s because their idea of success is really challenged. In our 50s, we... We say to ourselves, as we move into a second half of our life, who is this younger generation that kind of wants to move me out of the way? And how do I cope with, with some of the disappointments now that, that haven't worked out? In our 60s, we ask ourselves, how much longer can I carry on doing this that's defined me up until now? In our 70s, we often ask, how am I coping with this loss? In our 80s, we ask ourselves, does anybody know me for who I was? Or do they just see me as this person now? Can anybody remember what I was really like in my prime? And then, of course, there's the final question, isn't there? I call it the Billy Graham question. What happens when you die? You see, the way that we answer these very deep questions will depend on the truth that we're telling ourselves. The way that we come to a a resolution about those very deep questions will be the foundation that we lay our, our lives on. And is that foundation biblically answered? Is it true how you're answering that? Is it true how you're answering about set? success 40 year olds is it true 50 year olds how you're answering about disappointment is it true 20s how you're answering those questions you have to answer those questions according to biblical truth 
there's lots of experiences that happen to us and lots of people who influence us and we begin to tell ourselves things that we take as true. And we've told ourselves several things about us that are actually untrue. Some of us in this room have told yourself that you cannot change. And actually you come to a church where we say transform lives, transforming lives. You can change. Some of us have said, if you knew me, you wouldn't know me. You wouldn't love me. And yet the love of God wants to be poured out on all of us. Some of us are telling ourselves, I'm unworthy. You've met people who've told you you're unworthy all your life. Your experiences have, have convinced you that you're unworthy. And it's not true that you're unworthy. Our God's grace makes us worthy. Some of you have said, I'm just not as good as others. I'm always comparing myself and I always come up short and actually it's not a true comparison. In fact, some of the other people are going the other way think you're better than others. And actually the Bible says we're all equal under God's eyes. You know, and some of us say I'm the king of my own life. And that's not true either. You know, I did this couch to 5K thing. It nearly killed me doing it, but I did it. And, uh, they, you know, they, they do these motivational songs in your, in your ears as you're singing, you know. I don't know where you, uh, as you're running, you're not singing at all. I'm hardly breathing. But anyway, these motivational songs. And one of the songs was, I, I don't know who it's from. I need to look it up. It says, I'm a king, baby. I'm a king, baby. I live in New York. I drive lots of cars. I'm thinking, I live in Smethwick. And, you know, I don't feel like a king. I'm just trying to lose a bit of weight. In fact, I'm trying to make it to the end of this run. And some of us are telling ourselves we're something that we're not. You see, when we think about ourselves, we have to come to a combination of realism, truth, and faith. We have to be realistic, a a wise view of where we are in life. Can I just say to you, That as much as I wanted to, I am not going to be England's centre forward anymore. When I was eight, I thought that I was going to be England's centre forward. You are such a hard crowd. (laughs) All of you are going, you could never do that. I was there. I was thinking, I am going to be England's centre forward. Now that I'm 61 next week, March the 15th, uh, now that I'm 61, I think that's gone. I think I've realized it. No, don't get all Christian and say, no, Pastor Mark, we'll send your name in. No, no, it's gone. But you know what? Accepting of limits without turning it into despair and lack of value, that's realism. And some of you need to have a realistic view of your life. And begin to think, you know what, I'm not going to turn this into I'm not worthy. I'm just going to say, this is where I'm at now, and by God's grace I'll carry on. And you need some truth, seeing yourself as the loved person of whom God sees us. You need to be able to have faith and understand that God will use us and will do things way beyond our ability, realism, truth and faith. How can we get there? Everybody in the house, turn with me to Romans chapter 12 verse 3. It's a key verse on how to see ourselves. And the trouble with us Christians, we only quote the middle part, but I want to point out three things about this verse. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Paul says this. This will help us to thrive if we can get into this thinking. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. This is how to think of yourself as a biblical truth foundation. We quote the middle bit, but listen to the first bit. By the grace given me. Every single person in this room has been graced. The favor of God is on you. And you'll be able to do things that you never thought you could do. Because the grace of God is on you. The labels that that people have put on you. Those are torn off by the grace of God. And God says you're my beloved child now. See yourself with grace. And that's how to begin to see yourself as a loved person in God. I'm working hard today because I believe I'm preaching against strongholds. I want to say to you, by the grace given me, see yourself. Secondly, see yourself with sober judgment. Now we often use this as a little bat to hit people with, oh, bringing you down. But actually, sober judgment for you might bring you up. You might have to stop being drunk on the criticism and negativity and bring yourself up. But see yourself with this balanced view and this sober judgment that says, I don't need to strive for the things or worry about things that are not purposed for me in the kingdom. The reason why you're not doing some things is because God never purposed you to do those things. And you don't need to go beyond your abilities Because those things are not for you to do. Now, and this means that I don't have to worry about never being England's centre forward. It wasn't God's plan for me. I didn't have that ability because God's got a better plan. Amen? So don't worry about or strive to go beyond your abilities. But look at the kingdom purposes God has for you. And then Paul says, don't, by the grace given me, and you've been graced, think of yourself with sober judgment. They said, but think of yourselves in accordance with the faith that God has given you. God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he will accomplish it, and you'll do incredible things in his, in, with his faith. So come on, church. You were brave enough to come today. And so what are some of the untruths that you've been telling yourself? Truth, not lies. What's the foundation about what you think about you? We need a biblical worldview. We need to see that we're supposed to be in relationship with God. We need to have a good foundation of what truth we tell ourselves about ourselves. And that comes from the scripture. But thirdly and lastly, after you've thought of yourself in truth, and give yourself some grace. In fact, you've been given grace in God. Be sober and use some faith. But after you've done that, our third foundation is that we need to build a truth foundation about what a disciple is. About what God is really expecting from us. And when we hear the word disciple, what does that mean? Our belief system of what we are as Christians has to be 
supported in truth because it's vital to our thriving. And God wants you to thrive. God can't bless and flourish what he's not intended. So if he's not intended you to be something and you keep asking him to be something, he can't bless that. If you're living in a way that's not accurate to what he wants, you're saying, God, please pour your blessings out. And God's saying, I want to, I want to, but I can't bless that. And as a disciple, some some of us see discipleship this way. We, We come to church, we consume what the church program is, and then commentate about it. And sometimes that commentary falls over into complaining. We come, we consume, and we commentate about it. And, and please, let me, just, let me just say to you, it's great that you come. It's biblical that you come. Well done for coming today. It's great that you enjoy the program. That's amazing. And, and it's fine that you've got questions and, a, and an opinion. But coming, consuming, and commentating is not God's full plan for you. That's not it. Actually, this is a gathering. It's an equipping, filling station for you to go and minister to the world. Isn't that right? We are salt and light. We're meant to bless the world. In fact, the real picture of discipleship is not coming, consuming, and commentating, and sometimes complaining. But the real picture is, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. Pattern your life after me. In fact, in John 15, it says, If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Those who love me, obey my commands. Those who follow me. You see, we were meant to be, first of all, followers of Jesus, patterning our life in our Monday and our workaday, weekday lives, that we're asking the question, What would Jesus do? It's not just a bracelet, it's the most important question that we have in all of the world to ask. What would Jesus do? See, first of all, we're followers. Secondly, we're fishers. When Peter was having a a real moment of of self-evaluation, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And he said, Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, Luke, you may condemn yourself, but I'm going to make you a gospel-sharing influence on others. You see, we're followers and we're fishers. And then the real picture of discipleship is that we are finishers. That if God gives us something to do, we're faithful finishers to see it through. And I believe I've got a word in my spirit that some people are thinking of jumping ship. And I'm not just talking about church, but in your life. But I actually believe the Lord would want to say to you today, you've got to finish. You've got to follow through. You see, we are followers, fishers, and finishers. To the Corinthians, Paul uh, to, excuse me, to the Macedonian church, Paul in the book of Corinthians said to them, Now finish the work so that you are eager and willingness to do it is matched by your completion of the work. James says, Let perseverance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete. In fact, to one of his fellow workers, Archippus, he said, See to it that you complete the ministry you've received in the Lord. What is it that you're bailing out of? See, a real picture of discipleship is that we're followers, that we're fishers, and that we're finishers.
You see, I want to, I work in church and I work around Christians all the time. And so I try and create opportunities for me to fish. And I don't mean fishing in another church. <laughs> to fish in, in another pond. But you've got that opportunity when you're out there. We need to fish. See, if you're not sharing, are you really caring? Let's build our life on truth foundations. Let's build our life on seeing the world how it's supposed to be seen. Let's build, build our life on telling the truth about ourselves. Let's build our life on the foundation of what a real disciple is. You see, you were meant to thrive. As you build a foundation of truth about how you see life, how you see yourself, and how you see what a disciple is, that's when your thriving will come. The truth will begin to cause a thriving and a flourishing in your life. It will help you restore your foundations. We've got Jesus to help us. He said, I'm the vine, connect me. We've got his word to Instruct us. In fact, Jesus said this. He said to the Jews that were following him, he says, if you hold on to the truth, then the truth will set you free. If you hold on to the truth, you'll be truly my disciples and the truth will set you free. See, we have his word in this sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, build your life on my word. Put it into practice. And you know what? We have the church. To help us to build those foundations. Paul said to Timothy that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. We've got each other. We're not just a meeting. We're not, we're not just a gathering. We're a community of people that can speak life and truth into each other. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come back. But this is a message for you if you want to say and evaluate your foundations. Because I want to say to you, church, you were meant to thrive. Come on, stand with me if you will. And if you can. You cannot thrive if you don't build your life on the right foundation. Some people have said some things to you. And that's buried itself deep in your spirit. And it's like when I was building the garage with my dad. There's lots of rubble there. And you're going to have to dig down and, and pluck out that untruth. That's been feeding your ideas of you for years. You're going to have to redig that foundation and say that should have never been in there. And I now need to tell myself that I'm a love child of God who is going to use me in His purposes no matter what's gone wrong in my life. You need to redig that foundation. Some of you, I'm going to tell you a story about my running next week, but some of you are going to be like me at the end of a run. You're absolutely exhausted because you're chasing something that isn't purposed for you you're climbing up a ladder of success and you're getting near the top and you've found 
that the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. And you've got to come down the ladder, redig it, and build your life on truth. And say to yourself, what is this about? I've neglected my relationship with God. I've neglected my relationship with others. I need to redig this foundation. And some of us as Christians, we've been saying, well, I come and I go and I, I do my best, but God's got a plan for you. He's got a fishing expedition to send you on. He's got something for you to finish. Can you follow him? Can you pattern your life after him? Please bow your head with me. If you're here today and you've never come to Jesus, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to pray that along with me, then after church, Kathy and I would just love to meet you. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to ask you if you would like us to pray with you about anything. Maybe you want to redig some foundations. I want to read you a promise. The Bible says this way. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will raise up age-old foundations. And you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Whatever's happened to you, or however shaky your foundations might be, God can repair them if you're open and honest to say, Okay, God, pour your truth in now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, I haven't built my life on your foundation. I'm sorry that I've lived for me and not you. Forgive me Forgive me for the things I've thought or done that have not been pleasing to you. I ask your forgiveness now. Come into my heart and change me. I give my life to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you agreed with that prayer or prayed it for the first time, well, everybody still close your eyes. Maybe you could just raise your hand and just say, yeah, that, that's me, Pastor Mark. Yeah, thank you. Please come and see Kathy and I afterwards. Kathy's here at the front. And we just want to pray with you again. We're going to sing a song right now about God's presence. And as we sing this song, maybe you want to come to the front. In a few minutes, I'll invite you. And you could perhaps come to the front. And we just want to pray with you about the truth in your life. Or maybe you've got another situation that you just need to stand with somebody in prayer. Let's worship the Lord for a few moments. But church, can you hear this word? You were meant to thrive. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them that.
You were meant to thrive. You weren't meant to just limp your way into heaven. Let's sing together, shall we? And I'm going to ask you to come forward for prayer if you need to in a moment.